You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. Hey guys, Bill Dawes. Um, this interview with Vanessa Johnston is uh, is maybe my favorite one yet. Uh, I think partly it's because this was our third attempt. The first attempt um, didn't really work out because, uh, I don't know, we weren't gelling. She, I think she was distracted. There's a co-host and uh, they didn't really hit it off. And there was also a praying mantis. Um, the second time, um, I think there were a couple extra people there. She seemed kind of bored. And uh, she's a great comic and interesting person. And I said, well, let's just do it one more time. She agreed. And uh, she focused. And she is a... She's got a great story. And she's a, a brilliant writer. A really interesting person. And you guys should definitely, definitely follow work. I think she's going to be... A, a big star in the comedy comedy industry. So, uh, so listen to this podcast. Um, it kind of blew me away. I hope you enjoy it. Bye. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh, <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. Hey, everyone. This is Bill Dawes. Welcome to the after laugh. Um, we have a, a special guest with us tonight. We have Vanessa Johnston, and this is actually Vanessa's uh, third, third. This is your third attempt at the podcast. It's not <laughs> been your fault, by the way. I will say it's that it's been partially my fault. It really hasn't. Been. The first thing that happened, we, I, I'll just tell the story real quick. There was a praying mantis on her chair, and if you don't know, if you've never been around a praying mantis, like in real life, they're fucking the most fascinating creatures on the planet. Like, they're really, really intense. So I got that she was more interested in the Praying Mantis than the podcast. And on top of it, there was another person involved with the podcast who, um, you guys kind of mixed it up a little bit. I just didn't like him. You just, yeah. I don't think he liked you. That's fine. And I think it was just because he saw you and he was like, well, I have to, I have to say what kind of habits. <laughs> so she said, well, I guess because I'm uh, conventionally good looking. Was that the phrase you used? I don't know. And what he said... And at, he was an African-American. He said, what? I have never heard that phrase in my life. She goes, yeah, it's a common phrase. Like, no, I've never heard that. And then it, from there, it just got worse. So um, I actually am on your side regarding that, Vanessa. Because Wait, but, oh, hold on. I didn't just come out the gate like, hi, my, nes- my name is Vanessa Johnson. <laughs> um, I'm from Minnesota. I'm conventionally attractive. That wasn't how the conversation started. He was Absolutely. like, oh, he's like, you're a comedian. And, you know, you're kind of, and he, d- he didn't want to say it. And I was like, oh, like conventionally attractive. Like, cause yeah. I, you know, some because of the Me Too movement, a lot of guys are uncomfortable now saying a woman's attractive or whatever. For sure. So I was trying to, like, take the burden off him. I was like, conventionally attractive. I was like, I'm a babe. Like, I didn't say that, you know, <laughs> 10 out of 10. Um, And it's kind of like a – but I don't think that was what made me upset. What made me upset was that he never met me before. He never saw me do stand-up. And he was – very condescending sure and kind of just was like oh no this is why we got into a fight we got into a fight because i had just done a show at the improv and you guys were like how was it and i was like oh crushed it as a joke and then he said to me 
he's like oh he's like you must not be very a very good comedian because no good comedian say they crushed it and so that's where that's where the conversation took a weird turn. But that why, was like, are we, why are we rehashing? That was rehashing? the beginning. So we are brand new. We're wiping the site clean. We got Vanessa. I you told me not to watch your set. Oh yeah. I so watched I, your set, and you were you're great. First of all, you're a great you. comic. So it was a great set. And uh, there's there's something happening in comedy shows which people may or may not know about. It's called the cold open. I don't uh-huh. really know when that started. It's the worst. But when people produce or promote a show. Uh, as an MC, instead of going up there going, hey, guys, I'm the host of the show, they want to bring someone before them. It's like, like the like comic before the MC, which is sort of against most tradition. Yeah, it's the worst. And uh, it's like <laughs> a five-minute cold open. I did seven tonight, but yeah. Seven. So, and, I, and I watch you go on, and you started with crowd work, which is, which is pretty ballsy for a small room as a cold open. And I thought you were great. Oh, thank you. Um, for a room that was very, you know, they just got in. It was kind of small, and you were... Uh, you're just right out of the cannon, just like going after people. And uh, how do you often do crowd work in your stuff? Or are you more of a, a joke writer? Because you have really good jokes too. Um, what is your focus? I would say it's like half half. Um, I started out very writer mm-hmm. oriented um, because my first three months of stand up. And you know what's interesting is I think I do have a chip on my shoulder just from being from starting as a conventionally attractive woman. <laughs> um, when I first started stand up, I'll go to mics and like comics would heckle me on stage and like tell me not to come back and okay, give me give me a, give me a story about that like lead me through the foreplay of that because that to me just sounds unbelievable whenever I hear stories about comics shitting on other comics it makes me want to like have 2,000 fists to punch people I mean I was doing this spot called the oyster house which was like a bar up in the valley and I was again like a month and a half into stand-up and I was on stage and um I went on stage and then a comic went up after me and was like, Vanessa, don't ever come back here. We don't, I don't come here to listen to people like you talk. What do you think he meant by that? Because you're an attract, conventionally attractive woman (laughs) that, and I think people see it as like a place of privilege and that you Mm -hmm. don't have an opinion and that you probably never struggled. And so they just assume that, you know, whatever. And so I would get heckled off stage and people would tell me I'm bad and, comics would uh, like the whole room would turn on me and like heckle me while I'm on stage and um and I got and I got like annoyed I was like I'm gonna become really good so I I started writing a hundred jokes a day and um I would study like Bill Hicks George Carlin I would take every single one of their jokes I'd write out their specials I'd break down how they make their joke and a hundred for three hours every day I would write jokes back over and over and over and over and over and um, after about three months, so like I was three, three months in the stand about, I went, I think I went back to the same place. I went on stage and I had a great set. Yeah. Um, or not great, but it was, it was like better. Yeah. I was like, oh, she kind of was like that. that bad. And, um, and then I got off stage and a male comic came up to me. He was like, oh, you were funny tonight. So what guy wrote those jokes for you? Wow. And I was mad because I put all this work in. But at the same time, I was like, wait, they're so good. You don't think I wrote them. That means I'm on to something. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Because they, they like legitimately believed. I, they're like, there's no way this, this girl wrote these jokes. Yeah, it's a compliment. It was, in a yeah, way. it was about like the Holocaust and like death and all this weird stuff. And um, <laughs> I used to have like Holocaust rape material. Like oh very my dark gosh. Guantanamo Bay. My first half hour Can was- Can you share it? Um, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> uh uh, okay, so, <laughs> um, people, I haven't done this in so many years. Um, oh, okay, so back back in 
during the Holocaust, Nazis used to cremate Jews mm -hmm. and use the remains to make soap, mm -hmm. which is crazy. Why would you make soap out of a group of people who you think are dirty? Yeah. And then the people were like, Ooh. and then I'm like, and then back then, how'd you know the soap you had had Jew in it? Like, did you just have to guess? You know, you're like, man, the soap is cheaper than the others. <laughs> it's probably part Jew. Oh my gosh. And I do like, I just rape joke about um, <laughs> how I was having sex with this girl and how she was, I, I, cause I'm bisexual and I dated uh -huh. this girl and she was really bad at sex. And um, I was really upset because I was like, oh, you know, she had been, molested as a kid i figured she'd be great at sex you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. like those piano players who started piano when they were three yeah <laughs> that, that was my I think material that's a good joke. dude that's very, at, like, when you're an open mic or coming up with stuff that edgy yeah. for a room full of comics that want to hate you that's yeah that's, for, well, that's, that's, that's where but that's how that's the only way i could get laughter sure like because no one wanted to laugh at me yeah. everyone's like fuck this bitch dude yeah. everyone that i got every time and i would get up three five times a night wow. so every single time people would be like fuck this bitch and so i had to pull the laughter out of them out of comics dude yeah of who course. don't like laughing in the first place particularly in the so open mics yeah and a comic can control their laughter if you don't want to laugh at someone you can control it so i literally had to fucking pull it out of them so my material would be so dark like you know comics only laugh at super dark fucked up stuff. yeah had to be so dark and fucked up and i was still get heckled and th then i got good at crowd work because i was getting heckled by all these open mic comics so, so i started doing crowd work at open mics against, against other comics against the entire room of, co of comedians wow so that's kind of like where that stemmed from that's like uh, jedi training right there <laughs> what was driving you when that was happening because i imagine there's a lot of people who and maybe women or just men in general but uh who started that and when that happened they would they would duck out oh for they were sure. like fuck this that's what they wanted me they wanted me to quit yeah, I that know. That was the goal. And I know some female comics who who were who were good and coming up, and then they quit because they felt bullied either by women or men. Yeah. What was the driving force that kept you moving? Was it just like a, a need to to prove them wrong, or was it something else that kind of like kept you going up three to five times a night? That's so interesting. Um, I don't know, dude. I I don't. I don't do so no but that's a very good question. Well, I'm going to caveat real quick because yeah. just if people don't, like Vanessa also has like you have like a career in other stuff yeah. like you're a I don't know a producer at HBO or something. Uh well, I do film and television development, which is basically yes, producing. Which is like a in LA that's a high flutin' job. I couldn't yeah. think of a better word than flutin', but uh it's a high you know it's so it's an important job there's some power which attached to it. Which also was another job that I had dudes tell me like when I <laughs> when I wanted to be a producer, um, my friend David Mizell, who at the time was the president of Marvel Studios, mm -hmm. he ran Marvel for like ten years. Yeah. Um, really smart guy. He was like the youngest person to graduate from Harvard Business School. Wow. Built Marvel to what it is today, basically. And um, I was like, I was like nineteen. I'm like, hey, David, uh, I really want to be a producer. Can you give me any tips? And he was like, Vanessa. This is a quote what he said. This is not me saying you're conventionally attractive. No. Um, <laughs> uh, he's like, you're, I, I don't even like saying it because it sounds weird coming from my mouth, but he's like, you're one of the smartest people I know, but you're too pretty. And he's like, you would be a great producer, but you're too pretty and no one's ever going to take you seriously. He's like, don't even try. Wow. He's like, you're never going to get a job. And you know, it was, it's, it has been very hard getting jobs like i just started working at um imagine entertainment like uh -huh. two months ago um 
which is Brian Grazer and Ron mm-hmm. Howard's production company. And they're, I mean, it's my favorite place I've ever worked. Like they, and they know I do stand up, and they're very supportive. Oh, very and cool. um, it's honestly like the best company I've ever worked for in my whole life. And everyone that works there is amazing. But I, you know, I was unemployed for like eight months after the me too movement it was impossible for me to get a job i would go to interviews mm-hmm. and people would see me and they're like nope yeah because i was like a walking sexual harassment case waiting to happen yeah i've, I've heard that i've heard companies that have, they expressly tell their people they're like we're not hiring any women yeah. i think it's kind of on the dl because that's obviously discrimination but a lot of people will, will not hire women right now because mm-hmm. they're worried which is so ridiculous if you think about the fact like we can't control ourselves we can't comment on this girl's ass how can we hire it's it's ridiculous so well the fear is that in court because i read all these articles about it because i was so frustrated i'm like you know i would go in this was in the summer or the spring of this year and i went into interview with this production company and usually you do an on phone call first Uh and i was on the phone with their vp i can't remember no way, they're like, Vanessa, your resume is the most extensive of every person we're interviewing. You're amazing. Like, you're overqualified for this job. Yeah. And um, basically on the phone, it was like crushed it. In person, I get there and like right away, they're like, the guy told me, he's like, why don't you just go get married? Why are you <laughs> trying to work God. for me? Um, and I was like, no, I want to work here. This yeah. is important to me. And He's like, well, you're obviously just, don't you want to be an actress? I'll just put you in a movie. They were just like, we'll put you in, a, in this movie that yeah. Winnie Cummings turned out. And I was like, no, I don't want, I literally said no. I was like, no, I don't want to be in the movie. I just want to be here. And then they offered me minimum wage for a job that should have been paying like way more than that. Yeah. So I had to turn it down. And um, I got so frustrated because I was just like, dude, I, you know, I am really good at my job and I have worked really, really hard. And it's been hard doing it while doing stand up at the same time because you're waking up, it's a nine to seven job and yeah. you're doing stand up. If you're doing it well, you're getting up three to five times a night. You know, that's a lot. Yeah. But, um, all right. Well, and my life is good though. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, it's like my, my boss, my boss, I work for an imagine. Like we sometimes like we'll talk and like complain about stuff, you know, like, Oh, you have to do this and that. And it's like, at the end of the day, like we have great lives, you know, every comic in LA, any, every comic everywhere, dude, honestly, like, you're lucky. You know what I mean? Like, for you, sure, not, you sure. do something that's, like, brave. And so it's like, no, I'm, you know, I'm appreciative. And it's like, I'm fine with the negatives that I have to go through, you know? It's like, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. But, um, and you work f- Monday through Friday, Friday in this other job, yeah. nine to seven, and you get out and you do three to five shows. Yeah, I try to. I've been slacking recently. My dad committed suicide like a week ago. Holy two weeks ago. fucking shit. There's it a left turn in the literally conversation. Literally like a couple days before I came around the last podcast. <sighs> I'm sorry about that. Wow. Yeah. I figured you knew. So like all I, had, I, had, I had no idea. Yeah. I'm not much of a social media stalker. Yeah. So my, my dad committed suicide right before Thanksgiving. Um, Is that something that you would like to talk about? I mean, I don't know really how to address it other than like. Yeah, um, I don't know. Did you feel it? Did you know it was coming? Is it, Were you really close to them when it happened or? Yeah, well, he like raised me. He was wow. like my yeah. He's cool. Like I was the first. I was the first born, and um, my dad like doesn't really like women. He only he grew up with all boys. Yeah. And so he kind of like didn't really understand women. So when he raised me, he was like, "Women are evil. Don't be friends <laughs> with women." Like he didn't accept that I was woman. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. For, like, so he raised you to be a tomboy. A hundred percent. He used to make me like skin deer and like. Um, Whoa! Where is this? In yeah, Minnesota. Minnesota. Okay. I used skin deer. It was like in our garage. And I'm like, yeah. 
skinning the deer and doing all this stuff. No, I was raised as a dude. Yeah. That's where that dudeness, you know, I yeah. on our podcast, you're like, where does this act come from? I'm like, no, dude, I was like raised as a boy. Yeah. My dad did not accept I was a woman until I was like 18. And then he was like, fuck. I, he's like, when, once he like accepted that I was a woman, he was yeah. like, we can't be friends. Yeah. Did he, he ever? Sh- he shot me out of his life. Kind of. Really? He hates women. Hates them. So once you kind of sprouted and ha- got like curves, he was like, but I'm done with you. Yeah, kind of. And then like, I don't know, dude, like he just, um, but it was weird. We had a weird relationship. Like he, he pushed me to like move to LA. Well, he didn't push me, but he encouraged me. And for then what reason was your, was your move to LA? Was it about producing or was it about? No, I just won this scholarship to this film school. And then I was going to go to college. I wanted to go, I wanted to go to Wharton mm-hmm. undergrad, uh, UPenn and do the whole like business wall yeah. street become president thing. <laughs> and that was my dream. And um, my dad was just, I don't know, when I came here and I, I got cast on a couple of shows, he's like, this is so cool. And he was very supportive. And um, So you came here initially as an, as an actress? No, just to do this film school thing. It was yeah. just as like a program for like a month because I graduated high school a year early. Yeah. Because um, I finished, I started taking college chemistry when I was like 15. And so by the time I was 17, there was no classes left for me to take except for like guitar and piano. And I was like, why am I here? You know? Yeah. So when I was a junior, I basically left. I, well, I graduated. Yeah. And I had a year off before going to college. Um, and so, yeah, I used, I went to this film scholarship just for like a month because I get anxiety if I'm not working all the time. That's what it sounds like. You know? Yeah. Like when I was in high school, I was taking two extra classes or like an extra class a day. And I was on the debate and speech team and I would volunteer. I was volunteering for three organizations. I was like working the Humane Society. And were you doing Museum. that because you have a big heart because you're like, this will get on a yeah, resume? I love, I love both. both. <laughs> okay. And um, I was on like the National Honor Society. Mm-hmm. Like all these fucking clubs, dude. I was Miss Minnesota Teen USA. So embarrassing. That's a whole nother story. I did it as a joke and then I won. That was a whole thing. Yeah. And, um, but I was doing all that stuff. And then when I graduated, I'm like, fuck, I have nothing else to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I did this program thing. So the program is in L.A.? Yeah. W- with what school? It's New York Film Academy. Of course, It's like yeah. the hackiest place. <laughs> it's like all, yeah. Isn't that Mr. Uh, Me Too himself? Who's, who's the guy who does Was it? it? The guy who did not, no, the guy who uh, used to date uh, Serena Williams. That fucking Jamuk. You know the guy who, uh, I don't know. the Wonder Woman lady was like. Gal Gadot? Gal Gadot was like, I'm not going to do Wonder Woman if this fucker's attached. Oh. Brett. Oh, Ratner? Brett Ratner. Oh, did he? Is he a co-founder? Of He's Nightclub? like one of I the. I didn't know that. Oh, of Yeah. Anyway, I went there for a month, and um, they had the acting classes, and they were like feel, and I was like, I don't know how, <laughs> bro, because I didn't, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to feel emotions, because my mom, my mom has schizophrenia and was locked up in a mental ward most of my life. <sighs> wow. And then my dad is very like, or was, um, like I would say I love you to him. He would never say it back. He's never said I love you to me. Are you serious? Yeah. To, to in, until Not once. Never. Wow. Did you tell like, him I love you? And yeah. he would just be he like, wouldn't say back. he'd be like, got it. He'd be like, he's like, feelings are pussies. <laughs> um, wow. Like if we cried as kids, like I remember when I was like really little one time I cried and he just like abandoned me at the store. <laughs> so seriously, <laughs> How the, old were you? the police had to bring me home. I was like seven. Jesus. Yeah. So I just learned to like not have feelings like, yo, like he raised me as a boy. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, that makes like, sense. Feelings are for bitches. You know what I mean? I you get that. You ain't a beta male. And like, <sighs> so, um. You know, my mom, my dad was like that and kind of not abusive. Like he was like kind of emotionally and verbally abusive. And then my mom schizophrenia and like. So your mom was, in, what's your mom's story now? Is she, she's, she's, she's not in a ward at this moment, but she's still kind of fucked up. Like, and my dad's 
uh, viewing, he didn't have a funeral. He was like, in a because he didn't want to in a suicide letter. But his viewing, my mom tried to bring him back to life. <laughs> she was Wait. like, he's still alive. <laughs> At the viewing? But he had been dead for like five days. Just, oh, because she's crazy. I was about to say. Was yeah, no, like my mom, she was like, she's like, he's still alive. I'm like, he's literally decomposing, but cool. Um, No, so yeah, so my mom, she would like every, out of the year, she'd be locked up for six of those months, basically. And yeah. so she would go into the ward for like a couple weeks. Then she'd come home and she'd be good for like a, a couple days. And uh-huh. then she'd slowly start declining to the point where she was like insane. And so I was constantly like trying to figure out where she was. And then she would get to a point where she's so crazy then we'd have to call the police and they would take her back to the hospital. And that was like those cycle every couple months. Yeah. So like I just got really emotionally hard sure. because you had to, you know what I mean? Like you couldn't yeah, go of to course. like, cause I was still going to school. I was like fucking like, you know, eight years, seven years old and I have three younger siblings. So I, I took, so you were the them. oldest of, of four. Yeah. So I raised my family, dude. I was like making food at seven. Are there like boys or girls or I have a younger sister and two younger brothers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I just got like emotionally like, kind of fucked up you know yeah and um i didn't know how to like feel i felt like a robot i felt like an alien i didn't know how to i didn't understand human i didn't feel emotions dude it was creepy yeah and i would be around people and i'd see them like have these feelings and i I, like it was uncomfortable because i'm like fuck like i don't have that and it made me sad you know now i have it i've done a lot of therapy to like i was gonna say what was the turning point where you (coughs) where it sort of because when I hear people talk like that, sometimes they're like, well, are you on the spectrum? Is yeah, it something that you... No, no it's not it doesn't that. seem like that. So you just had really... Suppressed. And you had to really shut that down yeah. in order to function. Defense mechanism. And you were probably thinking, if I get really good grades, I'll be able to make my own reality and get out of the situation. Yeah, uh, I didn't think like that. But you know you know what? Subconsciously, for sure. But yeah. I mean, when you're when you're six years old, you, you don't have that foresight. You're just like, I can't... I can't... I don't have time to feel. Yeah. Because there's too much shit going on. Of course. You know what I mean? At what point did you realize, I'm in a really bizarre, fucked up situation that no one else is in, Not until I was like, okay, so (laughs) I did this acting class thing, right, at this film school that was just, I wasn't even trying to do it. And then the guy was like, feel, and I was like, fuck, I don't have (laughs) the feelings, you know? And I was like, I need to figure this out. Because I was like, if I don't learn how to have feelings, it's going to, I was like, it's going to fuck me up the rest of my life. Yeah. I need to figure this out. So I thought that was Pragmantis visiting us. The sounds. <laughs> I was like, "Bro, come back! I knew you. Were, I knew you were soulmates." And <laughs> um, and so my uh, so I did that class thing, and then I got cast in like a couple prot shows, TV shows, and then um. Wait. So how? So let's stop for a second there. And granted, you're conventionally good looking, but how do you just show up in a, in a school and you just get cast in TV shows that people saw you at like Trader Joe's and I said, "Hey, be my show." <laughs> Are you trying to... Which happens, by the way. Yeah, no. Um, How'd it happen for you? Like, two weeks into being in LA, the people from America's Next Top Model somehow found me on Facebook, I don't, or MySpace or something. They reached out to me, and um, I didn't want to do it. And my dad was like, you should do it. I didn't want to. And um, I hate paperwork, and so, like, the casting people, like, made me... <laughs> So I did Top Model, right? You did Ameri- what season were you in America's Top Model? 15, and, like, I, I didn't want to fucking do it at all. And, like, um, they cast me because I was in that pageant, which I did as a Miss joke. Miss Teen Minnesota, uh, Minnesota whatever, yeah. Which I did as a joke because I love Miss Congeniality, and I'm not that kind of human at all. Like, I've never yeah. seen a pageant. And, and so they cast me as this pageant girl, but I'm not a pageant girl. Yeah. You know, like, I didn't. So they cast in this like very privileged pageant, mm-hmm. like delusional, lighthearted human that uh, 
but they didn't know me. They were yeah. just like, oh, she's at the pageant, so she probably something dumb pageant girl. Yeah. So on the on the show, dude, I was like nice to everyone, super humble and chill. And the producers pulled me aside. And they're like, hey, we cast you for personality. And I'm like, what does that mean, dude? <laughs> like, I'm not pretty. Like, what does that yeah, mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you need to up up the bitchiness. And I'm like, I'm not a bitch, dude. And I was like, I'm yeah. not going to be a bitch. I'm going to be America's sweetheart. <laughs> uh, which isn't 100% true either. But, like, um, like we're going to kick you off this what? season. What? We're going to kick you off this very first episode if you don't start fighting with people. I was like, that's fine, dude. That's crazy. I'll kick me off. I don't give a shit. No, but you know what? I understand coming from a development side. Because I worked in yeah, of course, I worked of course. in Unscripted for, like, a beat. I worked at... Um, but that seems like that has to be against some sort of... Nah, it's your job, dude. I worked to say, I'll kick you off if you don't fight people? I mean, it's it's not the best way to go about it. <laughs> but I worked at... Um, I worked at a p- the production company that did American Idol and so you can yeah. dance. And so, like, I've been on that side of, like, because you, you need to make TV. And, of like, course, I get that. So you, it's kind of like you're a shepherd guiding sheep. Yeah. You're like, hey, because they have a storyline they're trying to achieve. Yes. And you cast people. I've been in a situation where, like, you cast someone to play a part because you're casting character stereotypes. Yeah. So when you cast that person, you kind of try to guide them into it to mm-hmm. follow the storyline you want. Yeah. So I j- they miscasted me, and they were trying to get me, you know, to be the thing. And I understand it's like it's their fuck up because they just assumed. So they they kicked me off. The fucked up part is they still. Oh, were so able you didn't decide that you weren't like fuck it, I'll do it. No, I was like no. Yeah. They, they still were able to to edit me, kind of bitchy, <laughs> even though I tried so hard not to be. I was like no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they still were able to get like of little course. tidbits, which was like annoying. How many episodes of that did you do? Just one episode. I still got I got kicked off the first episode, but the very first episode they still were able to edit me in a cunty way. But they knew that it was gonna be pulling teeth every episode, so that's why they just kicked me off. Yeah, wow. Because they were yeah. But basically, what they did, which is like such a fucked up thing. I never did this at my last job, but you ask questions mm-hmm. and you make them repeat the question and the answer. So like. Were you a rich bitch in high school? And I'm like, was I a rich bitch in high school? And then you're like, I was a rich bitch in high school. You're kidding me. Nah. And you it feels like there has to be some sort of no, SAG rule against that. All this paperwork that it's okay. Oh my Literally, god. Literally, you can defame my character and completely misrepresent me. Like that's a whole page of being like, you can wow. make me proceed however you want. So you yeah. ask questions and then they repeat the question and then they cut out the word. So they know what they want you to say. Yeah. So then they ask the question to you, and you they make, hey, repeat this <laughs> oh question. Oh, my God. So that's like, fucked up. Was I a rich bitch in high school? No. I mean, I grew up in white America. Everyone is a rich bitch. But they you know just say I was a rich bitch. Oh, my God. That's crazy. And then they cut you out, and then on the show, I was a rich bitch in high school. They're like, this yeah. bitch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah. My, my friend- This is uh, such a tangent. Le- no, it's great. <laughs> I love it. My, You know, Leo DiCaprio. Do you know him? DiCaprio? No, no, I wish. No, Leo DiCaprio. No, fuck that the guy. The other- Leo. <laughs> he was he's Fuck. part of the Bachelor Nation. Um. But he was on the Bachelorette season or whatever the fuck it is. And uh and he he's he was like a former professional baseball player. He's like this big he looks like Jason Momoa, Aquaman. And he um he said the, these producers they're all really smart guys or like Harvard guys and they just sit there and like look at you and like, How can we create a fucking and they'll come up and they'll literally be like Iago, like that guy's talking shit about you. You gonna let him fucking yeah. So it built to a point where they created this fight between him and not Trader Joe, Grocer Joe, or whatever. Where Leo threw a drink in his face, you know, because they were just like prodding him, and he he has a lot of uh, anger about it. But I, don't, I imagine there's no NDA that you had to sign about it. Are you gonna get in trouble for saying this? Nah, dude, fuck that. No, that was a while ago. <laughs> no, um, yeah, yeah, I'm not. So no. so you had a couple. T- that was one. What was the other one? You said you had a couple. Then um, 
like a couple months later i got i was i don't know how uh somehow i got on how i met your mother as like a like a small guest star that's well guest star um, or co-star because yeah guest like, guest was, star like, that's huge like you know was her too and um and then I, I became sag and i had an agent and it was like within six months of living in la but i didn't really want to be an actor it wasn't like a thing i was trying to do it was to me the whole journey was learning how to feel that was the whole yeah. journey was like having emotions and learning how to open up yeah and so tell me about that so when was there a moment where you kind of was like oh I understand. My is it empathy? Is that what that means to feel? Or is it just like... Well, I didn't know, like... <coughs> I didn't really know at the time. My first... the first, I was in LA for, like, I would say a year or two. And I was... After two years, I was training with this acting coach. His name's Aaron Spicer. Uh-huh. He trains Will Smith and Gerard Butler, I think. I know for sure Will Smith. Anyway, I was doing this audition where my parents died. Mm. And... Um, and I wasn't reacting. And he's like, why aren't you, do you care? And I'm like, no. Yeah, wow. He's like, that's fucked up. He's like, you need to see a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd never seen a therapist before. And um, he's like, you need to go to the therapist right now. Go to this therapist. And so when I went to the therapist, that's when I kind of started ex- understanding my circumstances. Because I didn't really, they were normal to me. I thought my life was normal. I was like, sure. oh, like I knew that something was like a little bit weird. I'm like, oh, like why is everyone's house is so clean? Because <laughs> I lived in like a hoarder house. Did you did your mom like store her pee and stuff? Was it that bad? There was like feces on the ground, yeah. like uh-huh. rotten food. Social services would try to take us away like every other month, and then my mom would like hire a cleaning lady or something. I don't, I don't know how they did it because if you saw it when it wasn't, I mean, it was, it was. I went back a couple. Well, last week yeah um my dad's suicide and i was cleaning up their houses i mean it looks like a saw movie yeah it's really bad like there's like feces all over the house and like (sighs) just like dead rats and like bugs i mean it literally looks like a horror movie yeah were your mom and your dad together when he passed um you mean like were they married yeah 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 they were married so she must be in a very tough position right now Well, they had a very strange relationship they're both mentally ill the, you know what I mean? They're like, they kind of both, they had a very strange relationship. They didn't like, they weren't, they didn't have a healthy relationship. They would fight yeah. all the time. And like my dad, my first child memory is like my dad saying he wished my mom was dead and then like wanted to get divorced and my dad wanted to kill himself and like all that stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, L- yeah. Now what's interesting to me about this is I have a, I have a daughter. I, th- I don't know if we talked about mm-hmm. that, but, uh, how old is she? She's uh, 18. 18? Dang, bro. How old are you? I'm 24. It was, I was <laughs> very young. Um, but she uh, it was from a, a one-night stand, and the mom is uh, mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Bipolar? Uh, bipolar with borderline, you know. It's uh, it's such a weird third rail, and people really know how to don't really know how to define it. It wasn't mm-hmm. schizophrenia, but um, uh, and my daughter became an overachiever, and she kind of had a you know, grow herself up and she got into Berkeley and, and full scholarship. Um, but the mom is now in an institution. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to kind of like guide her through that. Maybe that's part of the reason why I've, I, 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 I find something about you really intriguing. Cause maybe it just reminds me of my daughter. I don't know if that's weird or not, yeah. but it's, but it's, uh, so, but my, I, I think because m- my daughter's a very, like, she's a very feeling person. It mm-hmm. leads to depression. So the, so she went the other direction. You know what I mean? You can right. kind of like, build the wall so you can get through it. Um, 
or it can, be, it can lead, have you ever suffered, have you ever felt that like depression has been an issue for you? Or are you ever worried about uh, the mental illness might be genetic? Is it something that, that bothers you, you, you just don't think about? or is it? I never had depression. Um, I think partly just because I never had time to. Yeah. And then I also don't think I had the genetic predisposition. I'm sure. very like very conscious of neurotransmitters and chemical balances of the brain just because I basically micromanaged my mom's mental illness since I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and wait, what was the second, not the depression. What was the other question? Well, I was just wondering how do you, I mean, obviously that's a huge, mo- most people in the, won't really have to deal with that directly with mental illness. Is it something that like, um, in your therapy, you said you're not worried about being a genetic. Uh, you said worrying about genetic. Yeah. And so, Basically, 25 is the cutoff. So that was two years ago for me. So for schizophrenic, schizophrenic for most mental yeah. illnesses, usually yeah. they develop by the age of 25. Usually, yeah. most psychiatrists are like, okay, if by 25 you're not showing any signs of any sort of mental illness, you're usually in the clear. Um, my mom's schizophrenia was—it's possible it's genetic, but it was off. The catalyst of it was doing acid when she was in college. Oh wow. And so I'm very, very, con- like very, wow. very. I, I I won't do any psychedelics. Any psychedelics? Will you do yeah. any other drugs? We do. I try to like avoid. That's why when you you ask if I drink, I don't really drink. I don't really do anything. I I um just because I was so afraid that oh if I did yeah something you know um I've done like Molly and I've done GHB and I've drank alcohol and I've smoked weed and I you know I'm fine. Um, but I'll never do acid. I'm afraid to do mushrooms just because I'm afraid there's like some dormant thing that will be activated. Yeah. Got it. Also, there's a lot of people who have schizophrenia. I think like 75% of cases are on, are onset by acid. Are you I've, serious? Yeah. I've never heard that before. Because mm-hmm. I was always thinking I should do acid because like Joe Rogan and then Steve Jobs is like, I recommend everyone do LSD. I'm like, well, Steve Jobs can't be wrong. Yeah, um, it can, but the thing that my mom did, she took too much. Yeah. She took, like, a double dose of some super green acid. So it was one event. It wasn't, like, a bunch of acid over a Yeah, like it was time. one event. She took a lot. And oh, the Jesus. thing about acid is, like, it's neuroactive, and so if you if you take too much, it can basically sear your neurons. Yeah. Like, a, like burning them, like like a pan. And so then it they, wow. they don't work properly, because all mental illnesses are just... Uh, basically, your neurotransmitters are f- are firing serotonin, dopamine in fucked up ways, and they're not getting absorbed properly. And so it'd be like as if your neurons are scarred, mm-hmm. and that leads to mental illness. Wow. Um, yeah. So what was the moment where you uh, so you went to therapy? Was there a moment? Do you have a breakthrough moment where you remember where you're like, oh my god, like the Grinch's heart grew three sizes that day? <laughs> <laughs> do, do you have that moment? Because it seems like you say, I get, I get feelings now. I have feelings. Do you, do you, is crying a part of your life now? Do you cry? So, I mean, with your, your dad, I mean, this is so fucking crazy. Your dad killed himself a week ago. Have you, have you grieved about that? Yeah, have you cried I was about crying th- all week last week. Yeah. I, um, it was weird because I hadn't, I found out while I was at work on Thursday. And, um, so not this past Thursday, but the Thursday before. And I, it was weird because like, um, I was on this conference call and uh, I saw a phone number called me and I was like, oh, that's weird. And I'm on this conference call and I always multitask. So I was listening to the voicemail while it's conference call. And it was <sighs> like, hey, Vanessa, it's the Lakefield Police Department. Please give us a call back. And I thought it was for my mom. 
Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh, I don't want to deal with that right now. Like, yeah. Ugh, whatever. You know, so I didn't, I was like, I'm not going to, you know, and, um, oh, wait. No, I see the call. Okay. So I see the call on my phone. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And I see the voicemail and I don't listen to it. And the phone and all the lights or the internet all flicker and shut uh-huh. off in my in my office area. And I was like, oh, that's weird. So the yeah. conference call dropped. Then I listened to the voicemail. And I was like, oh, I don't want to deal with it. Everything comes back on. And then when I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. And everything turns back off. And I'm not even like a spiritual person, but it was like super weird. And yeah. um, and like my coworkers, I was like, dude, I was like, I think my dad killed himself. What you said that without knowing. Yeah, just because all the stuff was shutting off. Wow. And I don't even believe in like God. I'm not even like one of those people, you know. Or yeah. I, I think when you die, it's just black. And I was like, I think my dad killed himself. And they're and my coworkers were like, dude, he's fucking up the internet. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, go fucking call. dad. They're like, go call call the police. And so I called and they're like, yeah, your dad killed himself. And I was like, okay. Did you know that was something that might be coming? Was he? Yeah, he sent me. It was so annoying, dude. Like, well, he's been talking about it since I was born. About so, killing himself. Yeah. And I, um, you know, I, it, it's hard as like a kid, like he, he would threaten sometimes like I would go and he would like put guns to his face, his head. Like when I was a kid. Wh- when like, in front of you? Yeah. And he's like, I'm a, she's like, oh, yeah. like, I don't know. And I was like a kid. I would, I would be hunting. I would be like, he would take me out hunting with him. I didn't even kill anything. I would just sit there and I'd be like young, dude. Um, and he done it to my siblings. I, I don't mind if he did. I, it didn't bother me when he did it in front of me, but what bothered me when I found out that, like, my... Because I'm very protective of people. Sure. Like, I'm very protective of. Like, ev- anyone I care about, I'm very protective yeah. of. Even people I don't know, but if I'm like, that person's a good human. Yeah. I'm like, that person's a good... Like, sometimes I see homeless people and I'm, like, very protective. <laughs> anyway, sure. so, like, um, my dad was making one of my brothers plan his suicide, and he's been doing it to him since he was 10. You, wait, wait, back up. Your your dad was making one of your brothers plan your dad's suicide? Yeah. That's what made me upset. And when did you find out about that? Like a year ago. Oh, and, fuck. Um, and my brother's 21 now, but he's really fucked up. <laughs> well, like, yeah. I he's mean, like lives in the basement. He's the only one that hasn't gotten now. Oh, so he still lives there? Yeah. Was the he there when your dad killed himself? No, my dad drove his car up to like Canada. And they found him in the car. And so, um, but my brother for the last 12 years, my dad has been making him plan a suicide like every weekend for the last 10 years and he's like how should i kill myself where should i do it what's the best way they would shop for guns they would like plan it and um and so you know like and my dad would sometimes get mad at me he'd be like he's like you're a disappointment like i'm gonna you make me want to kill myself like you're you're H- a how loser. old are you when you was saying this like it was only he was like <laughs> It would only be when I wasn't, when I would, like, not do well on something. Like when he would I see you at an open mic or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, well, um, one time, well, when I got my job at HBO, which was, like, my dream job, he sure. thought I was a loser because I was, like, quitting. Cause I quitting quit act- what? Because I quit acting. Yeah. So I worked at HBO, and he, like, thought I was, like, a loser. Oh, one time I worked as a hostess at a restaurant. Uh-huh. This was when I was an actor because you need side money, you know? Yeah, and of course. And my dad was, like, my brother's my brother's daughter is going to med school. He's like, you think I'm proud to say that you're a hostess at a restaurant? And then he was like, he's like, I don't even think you're my daughter. Like when I was like, or if I got like, I never really got beggaries, but if I ever got like a, like a B, he'd be like, he's like, I don't think you have my genes. Like he'd be like, my, you'd be like, you, you don't have my genes. Yeah. He would say I'm like someone else's kid, dude. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Whatever. But so he was making my brother plan his suicide this whole time, you know? And, um, 
so that's what hurt me too because i couldn't protect him you know yeah because i wasn't course. there i've been in la for eight years and i couldn't protect him and that's what makes me sad because like I, like i could have i could have dealt with that but like my brother is too sensitive he wasn't able to emotionally shut down and yeah. when, you're, when you're in that situation and you're not able to shut your emotions down it fucks you up for sure you know so that's what makes me sad that i couldn't fix it so anyway so like last year on my birthday my dad sent me a suicide letter and um I was camping in Lake Arrowhead. Uh, yeah, I was camping in Lake Arrowhead on my birthday, and um, my dad emails us a suicide letter. And I was like, fuck, dude. I'm like, not. <laughs> and I didn't even care it was on my birthday. He's always weird on my birthday. Like, mm -hmm. he'd always, like, do weird stuff. Like, but I was like, fuck, he'd never seen me perform. I, you know, I, I was like, dude, like, no don't kill yourself you know and um so the whole weekend while i was in lake arrowhead i was calling the police trying to find him and uh i the police found him and brought him to a hospital he'd never been committed or anything and i was so happy because i was like finally dude like we're gonna put him on like a medication because my mm -hmm. sister was suicidal and we put her on or i put her on zoloft and it completely fixed her sure. suicidal you know stuff and I was like, okay, they probably have the same brain chemistry. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe we can put him on the same thing. He'll be fixed. He can go to counseling. Like, because I know his father was abusive. So I think sure. he has some, like, weird fucked up stuff with that. And um, I got him committed. And, like, I did all the steps, dude. I called the suicide hotline. Got him on my family. Like, everything. He was committed at this hospital. And uh, I called the doctors. And they were like, you're overreacting. They're like, he's fine. You're overreacting. But you like, showed him the letter. Yeah, we showed him the letter. I was like, my brother said that he's been making a plan of suicide for this amount of time. Like, my other youngest brother, my dad put a gun to his head in front of him, and my brother wrote about it in middle school. <laughs> like he, <laughs> he, like, submitted it. How was your summer vacation? You know, well? he, he was, they were like, tell a story. And my dad's like, my little brother, that's my youngest brother. He's like, when I was with my dad, he put a gun in this. And, um... The teachers didn't do anything. They weren't like, they like uh, they call it for count. My dad was like, oh, it was a joke. And uh, my dad's really smart. He's a lawyer. He's like, able to talk, yeah. talk his way out of stuff. So my dad was able to do that to the doctors. He was able to convince them that it was like yeah. me being manipulated over something stupid. But mm. I was like, bro, like I have all this evidence. I have the suicide letter. Yes. Like that's not a joke. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, you think I like we have it shown from his email. Yeah. You know, and it was very extensive. Like I want to be bare. Like don't have a funeral. Like put my ashes in this lake. Like this, that, that. And um, it was dated and everything. And the doctor was so f was a fucking bitch, dude. Yeah. She was like, she's like, your father's fine. You're overreacting. <sighs> You're obviously living in... They're from Minnesota, so it's like Midwest. You're obviously living in L.A., and you don't know what's going on here. Oh, God. So, you know, I think you should just mind your own business. Whoa. What? It's your dad. It's your yeah, own business? Yeah, She was a fucking bitch, dude. I was so mad. Yes. At the time, I was livid. And I, yeah. I saw on the phone. I was, I was like, if my fucking dad kills himself, guess whose fault it is? It's yeah. your fucking Blood's fault. Blood's on your hands, yeah. It's, it's your fucking fault, you yeah. fucking bitch. I, dude, I have so... Because I've been dealing with doctors, like, since I was a baby, dude. Because, like, I would have to... It, the same thing happened to my mom. Like, I would have her committed, and the doctor would be like, she's fine. I'm like, no, she's not. She thinks the government's stealing all of our mail. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. They just don't understand mental health. And, like, the rules around mental health are fucked up. Like... The, the patient is the person that makes the choices, not the family. And Absolutely. it's like, we're the, we're, why are you asking the insane person yeah. what we're supposed to do? Yeah. Why are you asking the insane person if everything's fine? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, so they let my dad go. No mandatory counseling, nothing. They just not even like, a three-day hold? Just like, 
couple he hours. Was, he was in there for three days, but okay. like, like no mandatory counseling, no medication. They're like, oh, take Advil sometimes, and I'm like, bruh. And so anyway, so last week when he killed himself, um, that exact same suicide letter didn't even change the date. 2017, October 24th. The exact same one. The exact same letter. Put it on in the car. Same fucking letter, dude. I'm oh. living. Part of me wants to call that like hospital. Yeah, and, like, of course. Just, like, and find that like, lady. What can they do? You know what I mean? They don't I know. give a shit. Yeah, you, there's care. nothing you can do. They don't care. Do you know how many people this has happened to? They don't fucking yeah, give a shit. Yeah, I know. And the annoying is I did everything right, dude. I did the little suicide hotline. Mm-hmm. I did the. I did all the steps. It's like, and it fucking didn't matter, dude. Because it's just like. Yeah, dude. So that's whatever. I don't know. Well, that's what's frustrating. Well, mental health is definitely the third rail of, of you know, medicine. It's kind of like people don't really know how to people don't know how to talk about it in families or in yeah. relationships. I know that with my, uh, I just have to say, baby mama. But with my baby mama, she was also a very, very smart woman and very manipulative. So we get her. And it was really in, in L.A. It's impossible at fifty-one fifty anyone because they're all. Um, Oh, I think the, the the heat went out. You still go, but the uh, gas is still burning. The oh, gas okay. is still being released. Got but it. The got flame it. Went out um, the gas off. It's really hard to fifty one fifty anyone, particularly in L A, because it's like every actress would be would be committed by some director who thought she was being crazy. So um, <laughs> I, I I do think that uh, I could not we couldn't commit uh, my daughter's mom because we'd get her to a psychiatrist and she would do it just sort of out of like you know lip service. And then she would just charm the pants out of the psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. So by the end of it, the psychiatrist would be like, well, she says you guys just treat her like shit. And that's why she's acting that way and that she's fine. That The reason she hasn't had a job in 10 years is because you guys. Demotivate her. And it makes me, yeah, it makes yeah. me think like, wow, psychiatry is a bullshit Every once in a while on Instagram, I'll see it uh, and I'll just start shitting on psychiatry and like start a flame war because it really bugs me that there is really no sort of protocol that works where is your where is she at what does she live in this is a whole other story um but she's not in the coast right or la or new york uh the last i no longer speak to the the mother but she was in she went to an institution in maryland was the last i heard of her so from my extensive experience <laughs> as a conventionally attractive woman um <laughs> Grew, I, growing up rich <laughs> in beverly hills <laughs> um um I, so the mental health departments in Los Angeles and New York, Manhattan are very good. Yeah, um, for sure. My sister was committed in Manhattan. They did mandatory counseling, put her on, didn't let her leave without putting her on medication. My mom was really bad most of my life. And then like four years ago, she visited me and I had her committed at UCLA in Los Angeles. Um, the head of psychiatry there for the school and the hospital had like a 10 year waiting list and wow. they took my mom on as like a case study cause she was so fucked up, took her on right away. And, um, they, f- they fixed her. Uh, they did not let her leave. She was like, I'm fine. They're like, no, you're not. Cause they listened to me. It yeah. was like the first time I've worked with people who actually fucking listened to me mm-hmm. and they locked this bitch up. They put her on all th- on these like shots and, all this, they put her on a shot, which is really smart because then they know if she's taking it. Yeah. Because it's once a month. She has to go to the doctor and get the shot. Yeah. Part of the reason why a lot of people on medication or get fucked up is because they forget. They stop taking They it. forget. They forget one day and then that affects them. One one day you miss it and that yeah. affects you. Then a couple of days, then they start thinking the medication's like the, the enemy. And, you know, it's like a spiral. So the shot was really cool. And 
they put on a couple of their medications. They got her really good. Yeah. For the first time, basically, in my life. Wow, that's amazing. And she goes back to Minnesota, and the doctors there, like, re-fucked it up. Oh, God. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, we don't think this and that. I'm like, she, don't don't break what's, don't, what, don't, don't fix what's not broke or something. Yeah. You know? So, I, at this point, I'm just like, whatever. I think, so, in Minnesota, where I'm from, like, those people just don't know, they don't, they don't know what's going on. They don't know on, what they're doing, know? yeah. So, I think there's a lot of... I think L.A. and New York have great mental health systems. Sure. And they're used to working with very smart, successful, manipulative people. Yeah. I think about like in Manhattan, they have all those Wall Street guys that are like master manipulators. Yeah. So they're used in, you know, L.A., they're used to all these actors. And so they're used to people who are good at lying. Yeah. And they some I think they see through it. But it's very hard to get because there's another friend of ours, a friend of the of the Laugh Factory. Won't name him, but he had oh, a I know who you're talking about. he had a break and we tried to get him committed and it's they're like does he have a gun to his head right now is he dan- is he in danger to himself or other people and we're like well he's in the middle of the street right now talking to <laughs> vladimir putin on his cell phone somehow and they're like nah, unless a, a car <laughs> hits him it doesn't fucking matter so uh and he's still around and i feel like in 10 years he'll be the guy at the coffee being with a tinfoil hat like asking for change i don't know it's it's very sad because i feel like and I think it harkens back to like the '60s and stuff when when women the snake pit years when men would put their wives in insane asylums just to so they could fuck their secretary because they'd oh, be like oh I didn't know that's a thing oh it was it was an awful thing and you could really just particularly back in the day men could just like hey doc my wife is fucking crazy and send her into an insane asylum so you don't have to get a divorce um yeah it was just an easy way out because if and the, the women would probably be driven to some form of you know hysteria or mental illness because of what was going on but the husband would just say this and we could you could literally just commit them and they called it the snake pit and it was an awful time in, in american history and not not so distant past either so i think they've overcorrected to the point where it becomes very very hard so my mom's uh my my daughter's mother she finally had to voluntarily commit herself so um so after this happened and your mom was fine in minnesota it unraveled again and that must have been very hard for you how old were you when this happened so it's like now oh this is now years ago yeah yeah. holy shit yeah dude so my mom's like back to being weird uh, but I'm just like whatever. I'm too busy. I can't keep fixing. Yeah, stuff. yeah. You know what I mean, I, I've cr- I have multiple careers. You know, it's so funny because we we start. I said, what what drives you to keep going despite the? I guess people get heckling. You. Open mic is nothing compared to like the yeah. life you've had to navigate. That's funny. I was interviewing with a out of this production company, and not the one I'm at right now. But this this guy told me he's like, I'm gonna hire you. Because a lot of times when you interview in creative positions at production companies, the producers ask you very personal questions. Sure. Like, what position do you like now? Uh-huh. <laughs> Me too. Uh, um, they ask you, like, you know, what was your family like? What is your parents? Because they want to understand kind of, like, creatively yeah, of where are you coming from. So I'm like, oh, my mom is schizophrenia. My dad's, you know, so I, I love you, whatever. And uh, this producer was like, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to offer you this job. You're going to do well in entertainment because you're used to working with people with mental illness. Wow. That's <laughs> a good point. He's like, you're used to dealing with them. And he's like, that's basically all this job is as a producer is just handling a ton of people with mental illness. Yeah. It's like, dang, dude. <laughs> now, you have, so you have two paths. You have the producing. You have the comedy. Which would you give up if you had to? If you had to make a choice. I, I get asked that, by the way, all the time, like acting and, and, and comedy. And uh, 
I probably would. I've changed my mind over the years, but so it's an interesting. Yeah. That um, for me. You. This is how I test something. If you really love it, like if someone was like, "I will give you any amount of money you want." Yeah. But you have to quit what that thing. Would you do it? There's no amount of money that you could give me that would make me quit doing stand up. Yeah. Not but producing, you could quit. Yeah. It seems if like there was, might be if a someone was like, "I'll give you a billion dollars, and you need to quit producing." I'd be like, "Okay." Do you feel like there's a point in the near future where you might have to because your stand up career is kind of taken off? You know, it's Brian Brian Grazer. We had a meeting last week, and he's like, "Vanessa, what's gonna?" He's like, "What point in your career are you gonna hit where you're like, fuck, imagine, and you just <laughs> leave?" Because that was a, a fear when I was hired. At th- they're like, are you going to leave in six months? Like, sure. What's going on? Um, and they're really, really supportive of what I do. And they are they let me take a couple days off a month to go on the road. And, yeah. Um, so it doesn't really conflict right now. Yeah. And then um, I like to stay there for a long time. Like, even if it's in, like, a less involved capacity – Maybe it's just like I have a producer deal there. Yeah, just focus for on sure. comedies instead of being there nine to s- every day. Maybe I'm only there like two days a week. You know. Yeah. Um. So what happens when all of a sudden there's a s- there's a sitcom for you? The yeah. V- you know. I just don't really like that stuff, man. But you're not gonna turn it down, would you? Be like, no, I'd rather perform I live. Turn w- down stuff. Really? I just yeah. I just like. It's just not really my vibe. I don't um. I just like, yeah. So you you have no interest in acting at this point? Not, r- I like doing stuff on my Instagram. Like, I'm sorry, I'm I filmed like three sketches. None of them have been released yet. They're all in post. Um, but I like doing stuff for my Instagram. Yeah. You know, I like uh, my perfect life is just acting in sketches on my Instagram, <laughs> <laughs> doing stand up touring and then producing with a company like i'm at now yeah that's my perfect life just having autonomy and sure. control and not worrying if someone likes my face that day or <laughs> just i don't i i just like li- i just like living for me and my the people who enjoy the yeah. stuff i create you know i don't like having to go to some network executive and being like this and that and this for and that sure you know, it's like I even we have to do it at my job now, which is like, you know, we're one of the top countries in the world. Like what? I think we've won 200 Emmys, like 100. I mean, like 200 Emmys. Dude, we've won 200 Emmys. Wow. Like 100 Golden Globes and I think like 100 and something Academy Awards. We still have to like placate. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I to get people. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, I can only deal with so much of that. I get that. I, it's funny because I heard Joe Rogan on his podcast. You know, his first audition ever, he booked, and it was news radio for like eight years. And he was like, oh, I think acting's kind of stupid. And I remember thinking, that's so weird because most comics are like, let me dance so I can get on a sitcom. And the fact that you feel that way, you're in good company with Joe Rogan, by the way. So <laughs> I think that's really cool. And I, and I think there's a lot of integrity the idea of producing your own stuff and doing stand-up and acting – you know, it, it can be really divorced from, like, what you really want to create, what you really want to do. I just love stand-up, dude. Yeah. It's, like, so pure to me. And yeah. And I, I want to talk about your set tonight, too, by the oh, way. Oh, okay. Sure. Because on the heels... I'm sorry. I just interrupted no, what you were saying. No, 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 no. On the heels of what you talked about earlier, which is so intense, maybe this will be a good way to dismount. <laughs> uh, so you're talking about, you're like, I just 
went through a breakup. Is that true? That was in July. Okay. So it's relatively old. I wanted to talk about my dad's suicide, but it was too aggressive. I did. Um, <sighs> yeah, give yourself some time, maybe. No, I did. I uh, I hadn't been on stage all week, and then on Sunday, how long ago was that? Yeah. Like two no, days no, no. ago. Oh no! So uh, wow. Yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So the, the Sunday before that, dang, dude, already a week went by. That's crazy. Times been so weird. Um, so basically, right, like after Thanksgiving, right. I flew in. I hadn't been on stage in a week. I flew into LA, landed at 6 p.m. I had a show at the Hollywood Improv at like 7, uh-huh. 15. I had to drive straight to the Improv, and I had two sets in the main room. And I hadn't been on stage in a week. Wow. And I talked about my dad's suicide. I just riffed, dude. How how was it received? It was interesting. Like I got I got videos from random people of them crying. Holy shit. They were like, "Oh, Vanessa, so inspiring to me." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, dang, dude." Um. Yeah, I cold. <laughs> I didn't cold open. I did. I hosted the first show, which is aggressive. Hosting a show and opening with suicide material when you never <laughs> said it on stage. Yeah, for sure. And I then said on stage. And once. then you also have people who are like, "Is she joking? Is that yeah, real?" Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And um, so I talked about my dad's suicide for like the first five minutes, and then the last seven I went to the breakup stuff, you know, because I had to be a host. And then <laughs> the second show, I had twelve minutes, and. Uh, I just fucking sat in it, dude. I just ripped on my suicide material. And I was like, dang. I was kind of proud of myself because I was like, I've only been doing stand-up for three years. I'm on th- I'm on the main room in the Hollywood Improv, and I'm just riffing. riffing on, su- on your dad's suicide. You know what I mean? That's impressive, like, yeah. I was like kind of like not proud of myself, but I'm like, wow, I really don't give a fuck, dude. Yeah. Do you know how much like you don't – there's comics that have been doing comedy for 10 years that won't do the ho- – the only – that yeah. w- won't do material that's less than like three years old at the Hollywood sure. Improv. Sure. Uh, you know what I mean? No one does new stuff unless you're like Joe Rogan or Dave Chappelle. So I was like, bruh, fuck it. So tonight, um, you know, I wanted to do the suicide stuff, but I just knew that, I mean, I just started kind of doing spots at the Laugh Factory. And so, yeah. you know, I did the new face showcase a couple weeks ago. This is technically my first spot here like booked i think officially by the club or something yeah so i was just like oh i'm cold opening i have to like do my job you know yeah. so i didn't want to do the suicide stuff because i feel like oh, cold opening on a monday with suicide material is like <laughs> very aggressive i would say that's a very bold i don't and then the factor is kind of like yeah. light you know i was yeah, like yeah. i don't want them to think like geez what do we what do we just do you know yeah. the floodgates so that i was kind of annoyed because i i just felt kind of synthetic like, why am I talking about this? I have some really good suicide material too, dude. I, I, oh like my death god! Material. I'm like back to my. Okay, roots. give us give us a good one. Okay. With it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited about it. I mean, it's not worked out, but like, I have this this. I basically this bit about how, like, when you die. Okay, so when you die, you have to pick out their outfit. Okay, well, it's oh, weird yeah, talking it's true. to you. I think I saw that on your Instagram. You were like, I'm picking out my yeah, yeah. my dad's outfit. Um. I have this whole bit that I've been working on for like the last week about um, how like they the makeup artists are shitty. Yeah. For the, for when the, when you die, the funeral people are really bad. The embalmers. Yeah, they're really bad. The shitty makeup people, and I'm like, I just basically shit on them and how bad they are, and how they're like D-list makeup artists, <laughs> and like how like only the dead will let them do it, and mm-hmm. and then I have this whole going to this whole thing about how I want like the best makeup artists, and I have this whole bit about how like when I die, I want like fake lashes, and mm-hmm. and it doesn't sound funny yet but it is no it is funny <laughs> it's funny i can it's see like it making, you know what i mean i really like it i, I like where it can go you know? yeah you for know sure you're excited it's like you feel like it's Christopher great Columbus. it's the best feeling yeah yeah and you're like when you have a bit and you're like i, I see that there's like 
like i know there's like the i'm going towards the the gold rush of california i don't know how it's how many yeah. get there it might be kind of fucked up but i see there's like a little light in yeah there. and there's un- this is uncharted territory that no yeah. one else is doing that material because no one else has your experience really yeah so i'm excited about it i'm excited i'm gonna do it all this week that's great i look yeah. forward to seeing it listen uh vanessa thank you so much third time is a charm you're, you're <laughs> wonderful I, w- I wish we could end on like a, a on a big like dick joke laugh right now but uh no, I, I think you're, you're obviously a, a really really brilliant woman and, uh, and really smart yeah. you're doing great things so uh what can you plug what can you tell people that you're on and that you're doing when was this coming out uh i don't know we'll see it's probably gonna be a bit right Huh? Well, I'm not gonna like plug shows this week because it's not gonna come out this week, right? No, maybe something in the next few weeks or uh, I don't know. I don't even just like plug. even just your oh, Instagram you just, handle. Yeah, just follow me on Instagram at Vanessa V Johnston. Vanessa V Johnston. Who's yeah. this Vanessa Johnston bitch that took your uh, took your handle? I know, dude. Fuck that hoe. Um, so they took it on Twitter too. I have to have my name as Vanessa Johnston with two O's. Yeah. It's like some bitch that rides horses in New Zealand. I'm like, yo, you, <laughs> you don't even matter. <laughs> so so wh- one last thing I want to ask you, because yeah. uh, you had a, a clip from your Instagram posted on the Laugh Factory Instagram, on, on the Laugh Factory, and then I had one too. You have like 50 million more views than me because right away people are like, we love this girl. But uh, also that that lends itself to, to a lot of haters. Do, mm. do internet haters, do they bug you? Is it some, Do you read the comments? Mm-hmm. Do you care? Were you there internet haters on the video? Uh, they're always going to be, yeah. Well, I know I saw some people like, women aren't funny, and I'm like, okay, well, who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The I got, like, a lot of followers from it. I probably got, like, 3,000. Yeah, for sure. Which is good for, like, 24 hours, you know? Of course, yeah. And then a lot of them are women. Yeah. And that's all I care about, dude. I don't need to please everyone. It's like being a musician, you know? Yeah. Like, not everyone loves Taylor Swift. Yeah. And not everyone loves, you know, well, fucking Slipknot. But <laughs> you just, you just, the people that like that kind of music, you know, you stick to it. Yeah, you know, so that's all I, you know, it's like. And not so you like you like, like the it. fact that you're kind of paving the way for women and representing what it means to be like a strong woman in, yeah, the, in the business. Yeah, for sure, yeah. dude. Just be like yeah. authentic. That's yeah. what's important to me, and not apologizing, not apologizing for like your feelings as a, a woman, and not apologizing for like your behavior as a woman. Mm-hmm. Just like fuck it, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So not everyone has to like me, and I don't. I don't care. It doesn't bug you. So no. one last question, uh, if if you became a real, and I, I think there's a very great chance it will happen. You become a real influencer. You have a lot of power. What, in what avenue do you think you would give back? Like, is there something that you think this is where, if I became so powerful that I was a, a mogul, this is where I would take my energy outside of myself? Is there something that you? Mm. What well, like, I think that there's a way to do that in stand-up. Um, mm. I just want to get. Yeah, I, there's moments, I want, my goal is to just, I'm um, gonna get emotional about it. It's crazy, this is like the thing I get emotional about, like not my suicide or all this stuff. Um, it's like, I want to get to a place where I just give 100% of myself on stage to the to people, like 100%. Mm-hmm. I still haven't, I haven't gotten to that place yet. Well, I mean, very few people do. Yeah, I just want to give yeah. 100% of who I am as like a human. It doesn't yeah. mean energy, it doesn't mean like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Just like no walls just like give you a hundred percent of who i am as a human um Mm -hmm. and i feel like there's something in there that influences people because then they feel that and then it lets them kind of be themselves too um for sure i uh i don't know dude i love kids i volunteer with kids right now oh well i haven't doing it as much recently just because my schedule's so crazy but um yeah dude just be like a good human 
I I want to figure it out. I, I yeah, I want to figure it out. I don't have a particular plan, but yeah. Well, you're 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 killing it. You're doing great. I mean, and and both avenues. So, uh, I'm psyched. I I'm I hope that we can be friends, yeah. Vanessa. I think you're rad. So, uh, thank you so much once again. Check her out, Vanessa at Vanessa V Johnston on uh, Instagram. on Instagram and Twitter. Twitter is Vanessa John Stew, but you don't need to follow Twitter. <laughs> okay. Anyway, thanks for listening, and this is Bill Dawes signing off from the Afterlife. It's the after left, after left. Welcome to the after left, after left, after left, <laughs> after left, <laugh>, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs>